Happy Thursday and welcome back to the penultimate episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we've been going over uh, one minute, well every minute, of uh, probably the the best space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard directed feature Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. And you know, Jim, I've said it this whole time. I'm not going to stop in the final week. <laughs> My favorite episodes are the ones where we get to have some guests on. And today, we have a very special guest. Uh, we have Stu McClung. He is the chief officer of the Program Planning and Control Division for the Orion Program. Stu, thank you for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Good morning. This is uh, this is very exciting. It's uh, we've been this whole this whole time with this movie. We've been talking about the past and and Apollo's mission to the moon, uh, getting the the flags and footprints on the moon, um, and we've been looking at the past. Uh, we we get to the final actually the final uh, words in this uh, story, where uh, Jim Lovell or Tom Hanks is Jim Lovell says, "I look at the moon." And I wonder, when are we going back and who will that be? Well, you're actually working with the people who are going to be those next, those next folks on the moon. Um, it must be really exciting to be part of all that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's exciting. Gosh, it's, it's an honor. It's one of those things that, you know, you get up every day and like, yep, this is, I, I'm going into work. This is fun. Let's go, let's go do this. Right. Uh, I, I'm an old, uh, old engineer by today's standards. I used to work on the shuttle program and I had an opportunity to come over and work on something new and I can I can remember standing in my backyard looking up at the moon one evening going, Yep, we're we're heading back there and I get to I get to help wow. that. That had to be an amazing feeling knowing that, you know, there's a lot of people that have been wanting to go back there and you're gonna get to be part of it. That's true. I mean I am just old enough uh, I remember the first moon landing. Uh, and I was not a space kid growing up, but uh, I was on family vacation with my parents. We were in Pueblo, Colorado. I remember staring at the TV. Uh, and so that's my early history. And uh, so, you know, I remember that event uh, when I was young, but I remember it. And then, yeah, the chance to come and build something new and uh, send it. And really build a, I want to call it like an infrastructure, a vehicle that's got a lot of capability to do the moon and then really kind of evolve into whatever else we go to in the future. So it's, it's a fun day in the office. Yeah, this has been, it's, it's been a long haul since, uh, since the shuttle days. And uh, I know I've, I was down for uh, you know, the, the many iterations of Aries and, uh, and, and constellation and and all the all the things where we were getting closer and closer and then kind of fading and but this this feels like the final push this is like with artemis and with orion we're really going to be going places now and uh it it's so it's so exciting to see this all come together the technology is there the hardware is there the people are there and uh i'm always surprised it it it, it feels it feels like it's still far away, but it's so much closer than a lot of people realize. I mean, everything's just about in place for the for the first uh, crewed mission around the moon. Uh, how 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 close are we nowadays? Um, yeah, you're right. We really are very close. Um, the next mission, um, 
Artemis One, which that won't have crew in it, but that vehicle, that Orion capsule, is down in Florida and it's done. We've got just a handful of final tests to, to complete on it. Um, by the end of the year, it'll um, we'll have it at the end of our uh, facility down there in what we call the transfer aisle. And as soon as the SLS finishes their green run uh, later this year, um, then we'll start stacking and assembling. So that vehicle is, you know, like that, that car's in the garage. That one's ready to go. Uh, the vehicle that's going to take the first crew, um, you know, Artemis II, uh, that, the, that structure is also down in Florida. And it's being populated with components and parts just uh, just down the aisle from from the Artemis One vehicle, right? So we've got um, those vehicles in being built right now. It's very real, especially for the our team down in Florida, right? You can walk out, and you can uh, get your gloves on, right? Uh, you can touch the hardware that's going to be taking these next astronauts back to the moon. When wow. we go up there on Artemis 19, I'm taking my entire collection of John Cash along. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just entering my, uh, uh, my inner Brett Collin here and yeah. uh, planning ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I keep telling them, you know, if they need a test dummy on Artemis One, they can send me. I'm, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta gotta trust the hardware. That's, I mean, that's a sign of a true engineer. It's, that's um, right. Yeah, no, it's it's so exciting and being able to see. Um, you know, a lot of the work that you did in shuttle being, you know, the, the, the technology of, of shuttle being transferred over to, uh, to SLS and Orion, uh, the, not only the lessons learned, but, you know, the hardware like the SSMEs and, and just all, all the work that, that the knowledge that was gained from, uh, from hydrogen's powered, uh, spacecraft, uh, it's, it's in the SLS, but it's the next generation of, of that technology, um, I, I'm I'm really excited that it, there you know, we we've we've talked about in the past the two basic philosophies that you have the you know the um, uh, SpaceX side of things where they're building f from you know from scratch, but uh, the the other side the NASA side of of building on uh, what you've learned they're both they're both great ideas in following following the technology and seeing where where it comes out. It's not it's not a competition, but it's this cooperative venture of getting getting there at, we, we, this is this is like the heyday of uh, deep space exploration we've never had a a a wider array of things that can push a lot of stuff into space uh, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to this next decade of uh of, of where we're going true it really is pretty exciting i mean it's um it's very in a sense really complementary um, in fact, I mean, there's been times it was one of our parachute tests, that, uh, an Orion test that we ran in Arizona, where we had some, a couple of SpaceX engineers with us. And so where it, where it makes sense, right, data gets shared and transferred. Uh, and so it's, there's a lot of, it's complimentary in that sense. Um, it's also, it's, it's really exciting. It's healthy because we we're not we're not going to approaching this just in one manner, right? You've got uh, our the approach that NASA, traditional NASA is doing. Um, you've got the SpaceX approach. You've got uh, a lot more international partnership in it now than obviously was done uh, back in the early days. And so, you know, that adds in a different aspect of it. And so that, to me, that part of it's really very exciting. Uh, it's not as 
I'll say not as clean cut and simple maybe as it seemed to be from an organizational point from way back when, right? It's uh, uh, from the ex from the outside it might it might look a little more chaotic now, but it's you know there's like you said there's healthy it's healthy, right? You've got multiple ideas uh, headed towards the same same destination, which is there's a strength in that. Yeah, and and I, I'm I'm really looking forward to I, I as a as a <laughs> As a Kerbal Space Program player, um, I'm really looking forward to some of the things that are going to be accomplished now that couldn't have been accomplished back in the Apollo days, simply because oh, the math was pretty hard. I mean, I'm 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 really looking forward to things like uh, the Gateway, where we're going to have an elliptical orbiting, uh, you know, basically another another ISS orbiting uh, the Moon and uh, acting as a springboard for not only the Moon but Mars and and exploring the solar system. Uh, so it's just, I, gosh, I wish, I wish I were 30 again. <laughs> I'd love to see where this is all going. Um, uh, but you, you must, you must see a lot of these things just, uh, uh, coming up and, and saying, a constant, I can't imagine going into work and not saying, wow, every day you're there. Yeah. There's a lot of wow going on. Uh, you know, of course it's like, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, it's like many jobs, right? You've got a task, you, uh, you know, you organize the team, you, get, you execute, um, you, know, you do your best, uh, make your trades between what I want, what I got time for, what I can afford, you know, all of that. Uh, uh, the same, gosh, the same thing they did uh, during the Apollo program, right? It was a, it was a beautiful program if you look back on it, um, you know, but that process uh, and, and the fact that you're doing it in an environment that is very challenging and unforgiving uh, is, you know, a big piece of what brings us all in all the time. It's, uh, it's fun stuff. I was looking back at one of the earlier episodes and the little, the little paper note by the switch, you know, about don't touch the switch. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it struck me that one of the things that we've, where we've evolved, right, we look, same shape, physics hasn't changed. And so we have a very, almost almost identical shape to what the Apollo capsule had. Uh, but internally, uh, there are far fewer switches. It's basically three screens uh, working off of a thumb drive, very, not a thumb drive, but a thumb million on a mouse. Yeah. Uh, very simplified uh, physical switch combination, you know, maybe 50 or 60 physical switches and everything else is a click and no no need for paper copies now if the crew which when the crew goes up if they want to carry uh, paper notes or their favorite book right that's crew preference and they get to do that but you know the the vehicle itself has gotten really modern if you want to think about that uh, for a a comparable mission yeah it's it, it's uh and, and we always talk about people always describe the lunar module as you've got you've got more computer power in your iPhone than you do in you know in a, in a dozen lunar modules and you think about 50 years later uh, there's so much you can cram into into a uh, what used to, I keep thinking of as a crew exploration vehicle but now is, is now Orion I mean there's so much there's so much um, smarts you can put in that machine there's less for the astronauts to have to interact with uh, the, the minutiae of, uh, of the flight which frees them up to do things like explore and and uh re you know uh observe um i just it's it's difficult to wrap my head around how the next decade is going to change things 
in terms of space exploration and the number of people we're going to be putting up and actually living on the moon. Oh, could you tell me when when you were when you were first brought over to uh, uh, to the moon project? I'm not sure if you would come in during the constellation years or or uh, where whereabout that was. When did you make the move from shuttle to uh, to what is now Orion? In 2006, 2007, uh, late, late 06, early 07. So yeah, it was um, Constellation. We were part of Constellation at the time when I came over. Wow. Was that a, was that a difficult move? I mean... <sighs> well, yes and no. I mean, um, I was looking to, for a new, you know, sort of a new challenge. And so there was that aspect of it. It was really exciting. Um, at the same time, I had been working on shuttle. I've, I've been here at NASA since 1989. I've been working on the shuttle that whole time. I worked on the docking system with the Russians and just absolutely loved that team. And so, you know, I was stepping away from something that um, I knew I was going to miss, right? And so it's it had that aspect, it had that flavor of it where I was walking, you know, leaving behind a team that I truly enjoyed. But... Um, you know, so I had those mixed emotions, you know. but um, I don't think I would have traded it. I'm, uh, I've gotten to work on a, a, a variety of things on Orion, and it's you know been really entertaining. Kept it keeps the gray matter fresh. You know, you gotta when you do some uh, have some changes along the way, new challenges that you have to deal with. Um, I am a docking system junkie, so you're singing my tune. <laughs> I uh, my ma my master's thesis was on uh, uh, PMA one, and oh, wow. yeah. I, uh, I I I have to ask I, I I've asked this before years ago with uh, someone who was doing a tour at uh, the computer the consumer electronics show in in uh, in Vegas NASA had a, a group set up there uh, back during the constellation days and I'd asked if there was ever going to be a docking system put on uh, Orion or at the time it was CEV, and they said, mm -hmm. no, there's no there's no need for it. I was wondering now with Gateway, are they planning on moving the APDS over to that to, to support Gateway, or that hasn't been determined yet? No, yeah, it, it'll be, um, think of it as the the derivative of APDS. Uh, you know, we used APDS for MIR and ISS dockings with, with you know, with, with, the show, with the orbiter at both stations. And then the agency has developed what's called the NASA docking system. Yeah. Uh, and if, if you're really, right, if, since you're really geeky, right, you're probably familiar with the LIDS design. Yeah, I was, I was just about to ask that. Is it going to use LIDS as well? Um, yes, yeah, so it's, it's sort of a blend. If you think of the APDS and its main characteristics and what was being developed in LIDS and sort of picking, blending them together, uh, into what's called the NDS, which is the NASA docking standard. Um, that has been developed uh, and currently being built uh, via the ISS program. Boeing under ISS is building them. We will use them. Um, SpaceX had one when it flew to st station recently. They had their version of, of the NDS. And so the, the whole concept is that the physical interface and the electrical interfaces are standardized so that you know multiple uh, users uh, have the have a common you know, a common docking system and port to give you a lot of flexibility as you go downstream. Yeah, that, that was something I'd just been wondering about whether they were going to go with a docking system or, or try a berthing system uh, out there in deep space. But uh, just knowing. <laughs> 
<laughs> knowing, yeah, that, they, knowing that that's continue, that that technology continues on is really nice to know. And so I have to tell you, just because you'll geek out. Uh, let's see. So we flew the so the docking, the Russian docking system had a control panel, uh, of course, uh, physical switches, and we pulled one out after it had flown, I think, six or seven missions because some of the switch guards were beat up. And we decided to use it um, to look at life of the components. And so we disassembled it and took all the switches and put them through our, a variety of test programs. And when the testing was done, one of those sets of switches is on my shelf. Ah. So oh. it's, my, it's like my one little piece of space hardware <laughs> that all of us yeah. engineers have that, you know, Went uh, space a number of times and it's sitting on the shelf in my office. So. Yeah, I, I have I have deep hardware envy right now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, wow. So, wow. When I'm sorry, I could I could go up and okay. I, 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 We've really got to talk about Apollo 13, but I've just it's so much, I, I just let me ask one more docking question. I'll, okay. and I'll let I'll let Chris get back to it because I can <laughs> I can I can put put anybody into a trance talking docking stuff. Um, when, uh. When the this this is this will answer a long long wondering question for me. When the ISS was being developed, um, the uh, uh, Soyuzes were arriving on the R bar, and uh, the shuttle was going to arrive on the V bar. Had there ever been any look at uh, docking from the R bar uh, on the ISS for the shuttle? Maybe, but I don't remember for sure. Because uh, it. I, I just don't remember if, if it made it if it made sense from a rendezvous perspective or not, or if it was more of a function of um, where everybody fit. I guess where been. everybody fit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny being a docking guy. Right. The vehicle had to get me in position, but sort of how it got me there, I, you know, you care, but you didn't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we didn't we didn't power the docking system up until two hours. Uh, no more than no, yeah, two hours out from actual docking. We just didn't even bother bringing the system power up because there was no need to. So. Wow, I uh, yeah, it, it's uh, I'm yeah, I, I I keep thinking I should just have a podcast and just do nothing but docking, but I know it just it may bore people. It, well, it won't bore it won't bore everybody to tears, but it may it may chase away a sizable portion of the audience. Um, but, uh, thank, thanks for, thanks for getting to that. Um, Chris, I'm sorry. We can get back to, we can get back to Apollo 13 now. Yeah. Now we, okay. We can, we can talk about it now. That's good. No, but you know, this is, you know, I, I know we always joke about going off the rails and talking about all kinds of stuff, but you know, that is also the catalyst that this film is, um, you know, it's more than just a film that we all love. I mean, there's a lot of people who were first interested in the space program because of this film, pursued careers because of this film. And I think it's used a lot of times as a comparison to try to explain things. I know I do in museum tours uh, when I'm trying to explain something about the Borman exhibit, you know, or, uh, you know, or something in space. I'll be like, okay, so you guys know an Apollo 13 and everybody knows, everybody follows along with that. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, please, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it was just, it, for some reason, that struck a thought. And one of the things that it, about the movie that I always thought they did well that strikes me that, and I think it's another hook for why we do what, why, why as engineers, why nobody leaves, <laughs> why we do what we do. Uh, 
the human spaceflight part of it has such a personal connection, right? These people that are brave enough to climb in the vehicle, they're coworkers, they're neighbors, you know. I have some of the astronauts when my kid was little, my kid was on swim team with some of these folks. And so as an engineer, when you're when you sign your flight readiness statement, you do your COFER, which is, you know, the form that you sign, this is my hardware's ready to go. It becomes this very personal commitment, right? Your job is to send them out and to get them back home. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's, absolutely. It, it's so, I mean, lives run live. And Chris, you're aware of that as an air traffic controller. I would think that, you know, every t those dots on your, on your radar screen are, are people. Yeah. You know, I remember something they taught us in ATC school and they said, you know, you, you don't dwell on it uh, about, you know, what it is. But at the same token, whenever you're talking to an airplane in the back of your head, you should treat each airplane as if your mom was on board. Um, and, you know, you want to give each aircraft, you know, the best uh, level of service you can. But uh, no, I agree. And, and what I think is cool about this movie is that this movie, you know, there are movies that, of course, shine, you know, the light on the, the astronauts, which rightly so. I mean, those are the guys strapping on rockets. But. I just love that this movie takes such a deeper dive into honoring the engineers, the mission control guys, you know, the guys from Grumman, even though the that story is a little uh, twixed up here. But, you know, they, they did shine a, try to shine a light on, you know, there were over 400,000 people that worked on Apollo and that, you know, they came together to make just amazing events happen, such as the moon landing, of course, but also, you know, coming bringing these guys home in, the, uh, in light of a mm -hmm. disaster. Right. And you see the same thing today, right? Um, that we've got folks spread across the country and across across the globe, right? That are that are really committed to um, supporting that same kind of exploration. Like, you know, there's something really hooks you about human exploration and being an aspect of that and being, you know, watching, setting this up being the person that's uh you know welding propulsion lines or the the you know my gosh our pair i'll go back to parachutes again parachutes come out of a company in california right there are folks that are sitting at their sewing machines stitching the parachutes together uh, you know it's there's all these little pieces of the puzzle that uh, have to come together to make this enterprise a success yeah it's i i keep thinking of uh, I went to a uh, I went to a screening of, <laughs> I went to a screening of X Men when the X Men first came out, and there was a uh, there was a scene in the in the X Men movie where um, these uh, police cars were getting picked up and flipped over, and uh, when I was at the screening, there were people from the cast uh, from from the from the crew that had worked on it, and the movie everything had been quiet but then when the police cars flipped over all these people behind me an entire row of people just started clapping because that was their job to make the police car flipped over and i i i think about that when you you know when you're watching a when you're watching a launch you know if, uh, as we're recording this the most recent the, the crew dragon you watch the uh, you watch the crew dragon separate the uh, first stage from the second stage, and you hear you hear like a little roar of applause from uh, people at, at uh, SpaceX Mission Control. And there's probably people in the pyro team that are in that you know, and that their whole job was to make sure that those bolts worked so that they would separate because the mission would be over if their little piece of it didn't work. Um, and, you, and you expand that out to a quarter of a million people that are working on. Orion and all the little parts and inter, inter, interacting things that have to work right the first time, you know, that it's all up. Um, 
I think that's kind of the summary of what this movie was pointing to, that there's more than just the, the folks sitting on top of the rocket, but everybody that put that rocket on the pad. Right. It's the rocket. And now with, uh, you know, with where Artemis is going, right? It's the rocket. It's, it's Orion. It's our lander. It's, it's gateway. It's eventually will evolve into, I mean, if the, the current planning and uh, architecture holds, right, we'll end up you know, having a number of different kinds of assets down on the surface, human assets and robotic assets, you know, the, the mix of all those things kind of working, uh, collaborating together, uh, you know, making it more of a, the goal is now is really to make it more of a, a sustainable longer term presence and, and then learn from that and, you know, use that as a jumping off point uh, to further deep space exploration one of these days. Yeah, the mission to accomplish is more than setting somebody on, on the moon and bringing them back home. It's actually making it feasible to stay there and develop, develop more and more and, and, and keep, stay, out, stay out there in deep space. Um, it's just very exciting. And here we're, we're just seeing the first steps here. Um, you... Obviously, you worked on EFT one. Where, where, what parts of the mission did you work on with with EFT one? Uh, so on EFT one, uh, at the time, I did a couple of roles. I was our functional manager for mechanical and pyro systems, and so I was really uh, heavily involved in um, the landing and recovery, all the parachutes, the the mortars, uh, those aspects of that hardware. Um, I had also done a rotation uh, where I was uh, working with our production office down in Florida when we built and assembled the vehicle. And, uh, and so I was part of the team that was the management team that was uh, taking care of that whole assembly and test operation. Uh, I don't think there's a photo. I know one night we were shorthanded on one of my engineers that was supposed to be there. Uh, something had happened. I couldn't make it because of travel restraints. And so we were installing some hardware and I was the stand-in engineer. I was all suited up in my bunny suit and the, the technician was working away, needed an extra pair of hands. And so he hands me a, a, a composite, a COPV tank, a composite overwrap pressure vessel and hands me one of the flight tanks. He's like, here, hold this for me for a few minutes while I get something arranged, you know? <laughs> and being that I'm in management, I was glad there was nobody with a camera by saying that you know, Stu was actually holding flight hardware, but <laughs> so, <laughs> so at 3 a.m. in the morning, I was actually, you know, touching, helping build the vehicle. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, I'd had my hands in it. Um, the, the actual day of the mission, I was supporting our media operations, and so I was out at the press site. And, uh, and it was fun. I remember talking about it with uh, some folks and I told them I had the same feeling that day almost comparable to like when, like having a child born it was there'd been watching watching this vehicle that I'd been so personally involved in lift off and take off and then come back and land safely it was a you know this really sort of out of body experience when it took off it's like that's my thing there it goes you know and again I was just one little one little piece of, of the team, and I'm sure lots of people felt that way. Um, but yeah, so that was a that was a great moment. It was a, it was a, I remember I was I was just across the river from you, uh, the other side of the Indian River in Titusville, uh, standing in the uh, in, in the cool. rare the Ruritan Park, and uh, just watching it take off that morning. 
no matter how many launches you go to, everybody, whenever you're there, people always say that the the most un, uh, unnecessary thing to say. People point and they say, "Look at that," and it really was something to look at watching watching the Delta climb into the sky. Though it's just a a gorgeous thing. I, I can imagine being a have you know having having uh, touched a piece of it that really must have put the hook in you on. on yeah. you know, and it was the other. I mean, just as a point of comparison between how, how things have changed before, uh, as opposed to looking back to the movie. Um, so my wife was had come down and was with a friend, and um, they watched the launch that day from the bridge going over on five twenty eight. Where it goes oh, sure. in a river, right? Along with all the other crowds, they didn't want to go out to the to the causeway, right? So they watched the bridge, watched from the bridge, really excited, hopped in the car and drove to Universal Studios, and were in Universal. And I sent her a text. I said, "Hey, we're getting ready to land," and they uh, went and found uh, a Wi-Fi hotspot, and she had her iPad, and and they pulled up the the landing, the you know the reentry live. And watched it from Universal that afternoon, and uh, a couple of people crowded around them, you know. And it was all it, so the the real time aspect of it now, and how much quicker communications are, is is pretty fascinating to me. How much uh, you know how that works now, and how how connected the world is. Yeah, I keep thinking that if if it's at all possible, and I don't know where where, where they are in the planning stages are for the lander, if they could land a probe ahead of time on the moon, and I know that there there are going to be pre-positioning things, but if we could watch the next group of human beings land on the moon from the surface of the moon, that would be the ultimate in a in a media connection. That's um, true. Yeah, uh, I you know I don't know, but I'm I'm sure we've thought about that. Um, but yeah, that would be. Uh, I can see a remote camera set up, having them watching them step down, right? And, and you know, right the next, uh, right the intent when we land on Artemis three, uh, right, it's next man, first woman, uh, right? So that's going to be that'll be an amazing event. Uh, wow. Well, I just uh, I don't, you know, be careful, but please hurry up. I really look <laughs> looking forward to this because I'm getting older every day. We all we're all we're all getting old, but I just it, it'll be great to see. Uh, wow. Well, Stu, thanks so much for being a part of all this. Um, I, I appreciate you come, coming up to bat. Uh, I know it was on very short notice, but uh, this is what we've been talking about in the entire in the entire series. And knowing that there's a future to all this, um, and so much so much happening uh, right now. As you know, I mean, we're living in history. This is this is the history that people will be reading about. Um, well, I hope yeah, 2020 is probably going to be something they skip over in the in the in the history book. <laughs> but uh, I think this this part, what you're working on, will be the the next chapter of 21st century history. So anyway, thank you for your work that you do, and also thank you so much for being on our show. Well, thank you for the time and the interest. Yeah, and we'll um, like I said, we'll keep building it as fast as we can um, and being safe at the same time. Right? We'll, we'll keep that right balance in mind. <laughs> Much appreciated. Wow. Well, for folks who uh, who would like to uh, talk with us on social media, we're always available online. Uh, you know where to find us on Facebook at uh, Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control or on Twitter at Apollo 13 Minute. If you missed any of the previous episodes, this is the time to catch up because we only have one more episode to go. Uh, go out to our big site, Apollo13Minute.com, Apollo13Minute.com, or you can find us on all the typical places you find your podcasts at uh, 
you know, uh, IT, uh, what is it? I, uh, Apple Podcasts is now called uh, Google Play or Spotify or any, anywhere you found this podcast, you can probably find other episodes. So go out there, subscribe, and get the whole caboodle uh, on your listening device. Uh, anyway, we will return tomorrow for Chris, the final episode. I can't believe it. It's un- <laughs> unreal. Wow. Well, uh, we will uh, we'll pick up uh, we'll pick up all the pieces and put them together uh, tomorrow uh, on Friday. So we'll see you here. Uh, looks like we're coming up on Lost of Signal in about 30 seconds. So we will see you here tomorrow for the final episode of the Apollo 13 Minute.